Happiness runs in a circular motion. Thought is like a little boat upon the sea. Hello and welcome to Campfires and Color Wars, a podcast about summer camps and the stories we love to tell about them. Like the time Orrin Lund kicked a hole in the wall of the staff lounge during an overzealous celebration over a win of staff trivial pursuit. I'm Micah Hart, and with Sarah still on vacation, uh, I am flying solo for the evening once again, but uh, Sarah's, you know, she's a teacher, she's got to get her rocks off for for a few weeks before she has to face the kids again, so I hope she's still enjoying her time. Uh, But in the meantime, I'm very happy to be joined tonight by Jason Sattler, a.k.a. Uh, I want to say log up, but uh, I believe it is L-O-L-G-O-P on Twitter. Uh, Jason is a writer for publications like uh, USA Today and Huffington Post, and is the co-host of the Sit and Spin Room podcast with Chris Savage. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So I came across your Twitter account, and you and I were talking uh, a little bit before we got started, and you said you started... The uh, first of all, let's clarify this at the start. At the start, is it logop or is it lol gop? It it really isn't super meant to be said out loud. It's more to be uh, only appreciated on the internet. But uh, what I've heard most common is lol gop, and I guess that 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 sounds as good as anything. I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I came across your Twitter feed uh, as uh, you know I started ramping up my. Usage of Twitter uh, in the months leading up to the uh, to the last presidential election, um, and uh, and I've just I've followed you ever since and have been such a huge fan of it. Uh, and but you told were telling me earlier you've been doing it since two thousand and nine, and so I'm curious how how big has it gotten? Has have you really seen a huge spike uh, as the GOP has gotten transcendentally ridiculous in the last year or so, or or did you find that there was uh, a, a huge audience for it from the beginning. There was, it was, it, when I started in 2009, it was a kind of a good time to be a conservative online because they were in the place that uh, a lot of liberals are on today. They couldn't believe that this guy had become president. Um, he was going to put them in FEMA camps and do horrible things to them, like give them health insurance. So um, they were very infuriated, almost as much as, as infuriated as we are today. Um, so it, it didn't take off probably until, I'd say, the 2012 election. The, actually, the GOP, uh, the debates, I guess, is where I kind of, uh, um, I've, I first kind of started, you know, kind of stepping in and getting a lot of attention, you know, or starting, starting each debate off with, let's get ready to bumble and um, and talk about Newt Gingrich, who believed marriage should be between a, a man and a woman with, without cancer. And, you know, some there, were, there was a pretty easy field at that time to take on. So, it ramps up then, and then whenever there's an election, it kind of takes off. And then after the election, you see like a bunch of people are like, I don't ever want to think about politics ever again. <laughs> the numbers kind of fall off. But um, this period, I mean, I, this election really, this uh, having done 2012 and then 2016, 2016 was beyond parody. Um, it was really making fun of it, I think only kind of added to the nonsense and the chaos of it. I don't think it added any sort of clarity. It's hard to make fun of someone who is just – is doing a, is doing his damnedest to uh, to kind of make a mockery of government himself and doing a better job than I could ever do of the, of uh, making fun of the of the Republican Party. So yeah, it definitely seems like it's a difficult time to be a satirist. Uh, that uh, you know you watch shows like Veep or even think back on uh, movies like yeah. The Campaign uh, with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis and think like those might as well be documentaries at this point. And I, like I, we used to watch House of Cards and go, oh, these people are so terrible. And and I mean, on the other end, and it's like I can't watch that now because it just seems like I'm nostalgic for when they were just throwing people in subways, you know. And so yeah, it, it, that experience, you know. And then there's there's people who are just great at it, you know. Colbert is taking off, and a lot of people, uh, people, are, the energy is there. But I think a lot of the energy is around. People just want to hear he's about to get impeached, and I'm not 100 percent sure that's ever going to happen. So I think that you know, making jokes is is. It's still important. It's still important, you know, to to point out that uh, you know, that this guy is uh, uh, he, he, he comes from Twitter. He is a basically a Twitter troll. As someone who is a Twitter troll myself, I have to respect the fact that there is a this glass ceiling has been broken, and I could now be president potentially. But uh, um, I don't know if we're adding much clarity. But you know, in the healthcare fight, actually, um, I think the kind of the joking was it was way less joking around and more rallying, getting people to call, getting people to actually care and, and keep people informed about what was going on. And I think I'm, 
I'm, I, it's hard to be funny sometimes because I'm so pissed off and so serious about what's <laughs> happening that uh, making the jokes kind of, you know, just comes off a little screechy, I'm afraid. Have you found that, uh, you know, that you've evolved in that way where you started out more just kind of lampooning the uh, idiocy of, of politics uh, and, and perhaps with the GOP in particular to uh, to actually using it as a platform to, to you know, to try to spur uh, change and, and action? I kind of think of myself as become somewhat of a hacktivist, meaning like a hacky joke activist. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I, I try to... I, I try to do as much activism as I can without getting my ass out of my seat in front of my computer. Um, but I, I, I have gotten more involved. I do try to knock on doors when the elections come around. I, I really feel like um, my story is the story of just a million people who have just become more and more outraged and more and more kind of how is this happening to our country? And, you know, that's happening on both sides. Uh, you know, both sides feel the same way. One side happens to be right. I happen to be on that side. And I'm sure they feel the same way on their side. But I, I do feel that in this fight, particularly, um, the details are so important. You know, when people are health healthcare is on the line, when someone, you know, Trump can make a decision tomorrow that could raise the premiums of, of uh, you know, tens of millions of Americans just because out of spite, out of because because he didn't get to pass his bill and because this is, you know, this you get he may not get to play golf this weekend. Then you really have to pay attention to the details. And I and and, and I am passionate about. Uh, the policy and trying to get as many people healthcare as possible. It just happens to be my current obsession. So I, I, I do feel like that um, it, it is harder to be funny when you actually know the details of it, to be honest. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I mean, I agree with you and you're, you're way more prolific and way funnier than I am on Twitter. Um, but I will say there, it, it is hard uh, sometimes to make jokes because you just think about, oh, this is actually a real thing. This is serious. Yeah. Uh, but when you see, you know, something like Scaramucci, uh, lasting ten days, it's it's hard not to crack wise, uh, and there is something maybe a little little cathartic about it. Hopefully, it was for me. Yeah, no, there's a lot of that. That is the real. I mean, I, I always think of something Melania Trump said during the convention. Goes, he goes, it wouldn't be a. You know, I'm not going to do the impression because I, <laughs> I I think that manages to be misogynistic, racist, and uh, nationalistic at the same time. But uh, you know, it wouldn't be a Trump campaign without a drama, and and that is part of the you know why he is beyond parody is because. He feeds. He's an outrage vampire. So the more we're, he does a lot of shit just to make us outraged. Like today, you know, what is the uh, attorney general investigating? Affirmative action. Um, uh, you know, are white people not getting a fair shot at colleges? Um, this seems pretty crazy when we have the best example of affirmative action for white people ever living in the White House. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it is hard to not, oh, not funny. you know, be getting overly upset. And we have the situation here. I live in Michigan. So Michigan has kind of been going through, we've had Republican control since 2010. And now they're talking about Kid Rock running for uh, um, Senate. So me getting upset and being infuriated by Kid Rock, I'm like, I can't believe this guy who uses the F word is good. You know, I think that is what Republicans love. They love I me. Mean, the, the, this type of Republican, they love my outrage. So I try not to be outraged and just focus on, okay, you know, what does Kid Rock know about NAFTA or what does he think about NAFTA? What is his plan? You know, what, he, what would he do, you know, when it comes to the emergency manager, like things that actually, you know, actually apply here and try to ground it and, um, and, and actually uh, and know, know what I'm talking about. And, and that way be different than the Republican party. Well, I love what you do, and I appreciate you doing it. Um, but uh, I imagine you have plenty of opportunities to vent about uh, politics and whatnot on uh, on your podcast and yes, in other yeah. ways. So uh, I will uh, I will not make you do it too much longer in this one. Um, uh, but I, I know you, uh, you grew up at summer camp, and so I thought it would be fun to to talk to you about uh, your your camp background and and I'm curious to hear how that has informed uh, you know any of the stuff that you do. Um, professionally, but uh, we'll start with the uh, the basics. Tell me a little bit about the, your your summer camp experience uh, growing up, where you went to camp, and what your experience was like. Sure, as someone who you know is a semi professional internet troll, I guess it wouldn't be surprising to say that I never felt like I fit in most places. Um, so I didn't feel like I fit in at school, especially you know I was you know I chase girls and then you know pick a girl that to chase around for that year and then and have, never have it work out and. And so I kept imagining one day I would change schools or end up in a magical place where everything would work out and always imagine that summer camp would be that place. And then, you know, I'd see it on TV and, you know, Facts of Life, they would always go to, you know, they go away to summer camp and those were the best episodes. So I, I dreamed about going to summer camp. So I would tell my mom about summer camp. And she says, so finally she sent me, you know, I went to day camp in the, in the, in the where I grew up in the San Fernando Valley, day camps are a very big deal. You know, there's like sports camps or Canyon sports camp and there's all kinds of, you know, I went to an extremely 
One thing I need to point out is that there's a little stolen ballot here and I'm talking about being Jewish a lot. I haven't really been Jewish for about 30 years, meaning I haven't <laughs> been in the temple, but more than like three or four times since I, but I was very Jewish when I was a little kid and I'm still <laughs> Jewish by my parents. I, I would think that some people in the, certain parts of the country would say, so I, I hope no one would be offended by me pointing this, you know, so I went to like some Orthodox um, Jewish day camps when I was a kid and then, and then, you know, I kept saying to my mom, I want to go away to sleepover camp. Um, and finally she sent me to a sleepaway camp and, um, it was the YMCA sleepaway camp. And, um, a few days after I got there, I learned what the C stood for, which was, <laughs> it was, a, and I was like, why do I feel so out of place here? Um, it was, we were about the age where, you know, where kids were really into Voltron. I guess this was like nine or 10. I'm, I'm way older than you. So I mean, this was probably when you were an infant or a, a fetus when, you know, this is when this was happening. But so I would see the kids would be playing Voltron and they'd be building a Voltron. And I was sitting next to, a, there was a row of kids who didn't quite fit in, also known as Jews, who were sitting there watching <laughs> the and like, they're a Voltron. They're making a Voltron. And I'm like, we're kind of a Voltron too. We're the loser Voltron. We're forming a big loser Voltron here. Form and, uh, uh, Yamaka and Talus, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it would be great to imagine just imagine it like that in 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 people's minds. I'm sure that's what they saw. So, um, so YMC, you know, the the big memory I have at the YMCA camp is being very the last person picked in every sport. Um, deciding that there was a dance that was at the end of the week. This was a short week in the, and I I was like I can never see any of these girls again. I'll ask every one of them until I find one, and uh, that did not work out. <laughs> and, hey, uh, I'm impressed by the effort. Yeah, no, I was. This was like the I was. I just was, I think it was the, all the fresh air to <laughs> just kind of, this is up, you know, this is in this, uh, we have a uh, big bear and arrowhead and, you know, so it's like you have the San Fernando Valley, like basically like a, the Mojave desert. And then you jump up in the hills and you have like uh, a little Vermont town, you know? So it, it was this kind of beautiful place. I'd, you know, not spent more than like a now a uh, day or two in. So yeah, I put the effort in and, and, and then, and it ended with me standing there watching everybody dance to MC Hammer while I was on the, the side with my loser Voltron trying to figure out what camp to go to next. And then uh, Now, you, you mentioned you went to an Orthodox day camp. Now, maybe this was yeah. a long, long time ago, but I'm curious, yeah. what did you find as a, as a kid was the biggest difference between YMCA camp and an Orthodox camp? Um, at an Orthodox camp, you sing songs about how you want Mashiach to come right away. You basically are, um, you want the world to end and, and, and the Messiah to come and restore the glory that we're, they're supposed to have. And you also went to Disneyland. I remember having a huge crush on, uh, 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 you know, my my uh, counselor and, and being getting to ride in the Haunted Mansion with her through there being one of the highlights of my uh, eight, being eight years old. Um, you had to wear the full – that's where you wore the full outfit. I mean I had the seat seats and the, as you're playing uh, football, you're wearing seat seats and, and trying to keep the keep the yarmulke on your head. It, it was a um, – and you're in Balboa Park, which is this big park in the valley. I mean it's like 110 degrees at 730 in the morning. and. Oh yeah, and you're sweating through your seat seats. It's a, it's a, it's a great experience. I like uh, I just like the the notion of like every morning being like, okay, kids, today we really hope is the day the Mashiach comes. But <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> literally, you say that we don't want to wait. <laughs> just in case he doesn't, we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> right, right, right. That's awesome. That was uh, even better, actually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny you said that about uh, not knowing what the C meant in the in the YMCA. I went to uh, uh, an overnight uh, church camp thing with some buddies when I was in, I don't know, sixth, seventh grade, something like that. And uh, when we got there, they did like a little, almost like a Nike swoosh on our hands to like, uh -huh. you know, just like, okay, this kid's been checked in. And then right. when we ate, they did a reverse swoosh. So I'm not really doing a great job of describing what this looked like, but it looked like a fish. And okay. I didn't know what that meant. And right. the next morning, I went to my friend's uh, bar mitzvah, and and, <laughs> nice. and I'm sitting there. I'm like, "Hey, look at this cool fish I have on my on my hand." I had no idea what that stood for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think it really mattered, but it always amused me the the lack of uh, understanding of uh, of Christian rituals and symbols. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it, the, the Dwyer Camp wasn't extraordinarily, you know, it was subtle things like that that if you weren't really tuned into the culture like a night you get a fish on you like you would just totally miss it but there was a real kind of a sense of you know if you knew the songs so like they would sing the you know christian songs and if you knew the words uh, um 
you just kind of fit in. If you sat there and you kind of stared around at everybody, they kind of got the idea of who who fit in and who didn't fit in. Yeah. And so was that your last camp experience? Was it the, uh, what, the YMCA? No, I, I went and my mom was insistent that, you know, I think, I think she liked me being away which <laughs> single mom, three kids. And she was like, okay, I'm going to give this another chance. Uh, so then I went to camp, uh, JCA Shalom, which I see from Wikipedia still exists. And, uh, and was a, uh, and, and, and that was a, I, w- I like to imagine that like I had, there's a lot of the people that I experienced where I was, became the cool guy. I became the friend of the cool guy. There was a Kevin Applebaum. Everyone knows Kevin Applebaum. Oh my right God. There. Kevin A, that guy. <laughs> Kevin, we're going to play Gaga. You want to play, you don't want to play Gaga unless Kevin Applebaum <laughs> around. Uh, uh, so uh, Kevin Applebaum was this cool kid. I became like his sidekick. And this kind of started a trend in my life of becoming the sidekick of the cool guy. And that was actually good enough to get me, you know, I had my first kiss at, at, at JCA Shalom. I learned uh, Moon Shadow. Uh, you know, like we would sing like you wouldn't sing like super religious songs. You would sing 60s folk songs sure. and, uh, after lunch. It was Lots kind of, of a dragon. Yeah, I'm with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. He lived by the sea and uh, <laughs> and it was up by the sea. It was in this, you know, it's beautiful. It's in Malibu. It's much cooler. Um, than it was in, in Arrowhead, and it, you know, and you know, this was Jewish camp that I went to. I think, in the, in, I think on the East Coast, Jewish camp is a little more rugged and camping and stuff. These were nice cabins. The most treacherous thing I ever saw was an older kid deciding he needed everyone needed to see his penis and being revolted by what, what was going to happen to my body after seeing this guy, this guy's <laughs> body. Uh, um, so uh, that was probably the scariest thing about it. But uh, yeah, I did camp uh, camp Shalom for a couple of years after that. And that that was a much a much better experience, thanks to Kevin. Thanks to Kevin Applebaum, of course. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, it's like reverse prison. You know, instead yeah. of the first day, you know, beating up somebody, uh, you know, it's who's the cool kid and who can I latch on to? Yes, yes, exactly. Walk up to the to the and, and just kiss his ass. <laughs> Walk up to the <laughs> biggest guy you can and just bend down, and that's that's what. But he would, you know, it was it was a, it, it was, I just, you know, I hate to think of the you know stereotypes and culture and like, um, but. It just I just fit in way better at this other camp uh, of Camp Shalom that I did, and I, I mean I think a part of that is just time and age, and and just having an affection for '60s folk. I think I, I <laughs> helped a lot too. You know, I mean it's definitely a theme that we return to often on this podcast the the notion of fitting in, finding your your people, as uh, as Sarah likes to say. Um, how did you find that uh, between summer camp and then going back to school for the school year? Were you in an environment there where, you know, where you noticed a big discrepancy or did that help you, you know, gain confidence, uh, you know, for during the school year? Yeah, I think that you do come back with this kind of like, oh, the, the real me has been, these people don't know it, but I'm actually the sidekick of the cool guy. <laughs> uh, they, if they knew that about me, if only I had the cool guy around here. Yeah, I think I, I lacked Kevin, but I, but I was able to come back with the, um, with a stronger perception of myself, I mean, I th- I, I, I kind of go from grand. I think that I mean, if you follow my Twitter feed, I go from depression to grandiosity uh, a lot. It's kind of I'm a, a top of the world to you know I'm a I am literally you know the 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 worst troll in the world. Hashtags cry for me. You know what I mean? So I would go up and down. So I'd come back and you know and I go through grandiosity and I, mean, I I came back to school and I kind of had a I was maybe a little too full of myself. I think I uh, that was the year I ran. For class president, and I used I, I tried to do like extra works and commercial as many kids in the San Fernando Valley did, and I used my headshot as my uh, um, uh, as uh, as my um, campaign literature. So uh, soon, all around school, my face was pinned with you know various phallic uh, <laughs> objects being <laughs> interjected into my different orifices, and you know, <laughs> I, I kind of maybe got a little too full of myself when I came back to school that time around, but. Uh, I was often humbled, so I, I got I, I settled back to a good level of depression pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I would come back from camp uh, most years feeling like, okay, this is the year I've got my shit together. I'm I'm you know I'm going to be more confident. I'm not going to like fall into my, the old uh, you know behaviors that sort of made me feel kind of you know more like an outcast, etc. Yeah, and it would last maybe maybe a day, m- maybe two <laughs> if it was a really you know really strong year. Um, but I also, uh, ran for, for class president, um, and, uh, in, in eighth grade and, uh, and I actually did win. So I'll pat myself on the back a little bit for that. Uh, although before I get too far down, congratulating myself, I also ran in ninth grade and got booed off the stage. So, you know, small victories, but, uh, overall, you know, I'm still, still a dork, but, uh, it, it, I didn't have a headshot, um, but my speech was definitely informed 
by camp because I did a parody of Wayne's World uh, nice. in my in my speech for uh, for student body president, and you know it went over pretty well. Uh, I have to say, so um. <laughs> that's an eighth grade speech. But then the, that's the, right. What got you the booze? And I mean, getting booed is pretty harsh. I think, uh, you know, I, I had an aggressive platform and uh-huh. uh, I, I faced a lot of obstruction in the, uh, <laughs> right, right. In, the in the eighth grade Congress. And they I were determined that, to make you a one term president. That's right. Yeah. And when I got to ninth grade, I just think they had long memories and it was yeah. hard for me to uh, to live it down. No uh, coke in the in the in the water fountains by then. It was it was over. Yeah, I guess I, in hindsight, I really shouldn't have promised that. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, it's, it's politics, right? You you promise the big thing. I don't expect people to actually follow through on their promises. Come on. Yeah. Um, what is it about camp that, that you know it does it does kind of bring out? I mean, and okay, and then I did go to another camp after this. I mean, it literally, I was gonna say, it brings out the performer. And you, like at camp, you making a jackass of yourself is kind of. I think it, that is the the team building aspect of it is like is, is the more you can humiliate yourself, the better. I, I literally went to a, you know I kind of had a want to be actor kind of vibe my whole life and went to the teenage drama workshop which i think probably still exists at, at cal state northridge which was pretty good they would turn out some working actors and kids who kind of were you know kids were on tv and shows none, none no one would remember any of them now except for one of the guys was in newsies the oh, original wow. christian yeah. bale <laughs> uh, marty Belaski, actually yeah. um, i'm sure he met christian bale though yeah um so so yeah so that's you know i went to to that camp afterwards and that's a pretty like a you know, like a, almost a professional kids kind of camp, but, and I was one of their, you know, three straight kids, three straight boys. <laughs> there was a lot of, tons of straight girls. I was one of three straight boys. And you thought, oh my God, I'm in heaven. There's like girls everywhere. They're all the, you know, the, and leotards constantly. We're constantly, every, we're stretching. We're stretching to, we're, everything is stretching. We're stretching our vocal cords. We're stretching our, you know, everyone, people are putting their toes above their head. It's, it's, and and here I am, you know, one of the only straight boys in the whole in the whole school, and having no luck with any of the girls because it <laughs> turned out the other two straight boys were very good actors and, and could sing and could dance, and uh, apparently none of those I, I, having and these girls were actually tuned into the fact of who was talented, and uh, and it wasn't like uh, my looks were carrying me, so. Uh, <laughs> So that was another that was another experience. But there, you know, you got to meet, you know, that's where the real outcasts and the derelicts, first cigarette, first smelling pot, first Smith's t-shirt, cool stuff like that, yeah. And so that was a and that was a summer camp as well. And you were there for for how long? I went to that after Camp Shaloma. That was my kind of like my eighth and ninth grade summers. Uh, you know, so after those two or between, For like a it was like a, a month or a, or a week at a time or those are like six week sessions. So those oh, are days okay. show up and hang out on the campus. I mean, it's cool because you were hanging out, you know, on college campus. You can go out to lunch at like the Cupid's hot dog stand, and, and you're in the you're middle of exotic downtown Northridge. So you know, so I'm I'm curious because you know most of these summer camp experiences that we we've talked about, and definitely the ones that I experienced, were very much like a a summer camp. You drove out somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, you stayed in cabins, all that kind of stuff what what was it like like how different you went to other camps that were more like that like what was the biggest difference going to a camp like that um you know did it still have that sort of summer camp vibe or or was it i i don't know if this is a good analogy but but i think yeah. about going to college uh you know in a college town versus going to college uh you know in new york city or boston where it's like a city campus there's not like a quad every you know to to hang out on yeah, I kind of think of the going the sleepaway camps are more like a literal liberal college out, you know, like out in the middle. And the and these uh these kind of day camps you went to kind of were like junior college, where you're kind of like almost barely not in camp, and like you're not even sure if they'd miss you if you kind of wandered off. You're kind of blurred in with the rest of. We were all in this big drama building that was designed like a like in the maybe right in the middle of the Cuban Missile Crisis because there was like nuclear bunker. I mean, there was like all kinds of radiation, you know, places where shelter, you could you could take shelter. It was meant to last through a nuclear uh, attack. And so you're in this kind of big vessel. It almost feels like you're on a ship where um, it, it was almost like classes that you went to. So this was this was much more. And then you were performing in plays. Have you gotten a play? You were performing in the plays at night. And it was a ton of time to mess around. So then, But then you had like these day camps where you go to um, – those those are you know, it's closer to school than it's a, than it is like camp. Those things. So building up any sort of camaraderie, it, you didn't have any of the real the real kind of closest thing that I had to the real camp experience you're talking about, where you're cut off from the world. There's the camp shalom and where you're actually you know 
you, you're looking forward to the letters and this is the only food you're going to get. And if you wandered off, you'd probably die. <laughs> that, that kind of experience. Those are the only times I got that. So drama camp was a day camp. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so then I think you should cut yourself a little a little slack on the uh, on the female front because I, what yes. you just said is very true. Like, what makes what what makes it so much easier for people, uh, even if they feel you know outcasty, uh, to find you know uh, partners and and other people uh, you know, at camp is that you're around each other so much uh, and there's really just no other options. And that's not a bad thing. It's not like well, there's no one else, so might as well you know this guy, this girl, but. Uh, you know, but you have that opportunity to develop those relationships further in a way that you don't if you're really essentially going to class with them uh, and, and maybe staying longer, performing, things like that. Um, but I, I can see that being a, a big difference. Yeah, and adding a skill to that, you know, there, then it naturally creates a hierarchy, which in a kind of a summer, a good summer camp, it's kind of about blurring those lines of the hierarchy, putting everybody at the same level. Everybody's you know, everybody's a jackass. Everybody's having a good time, um, you know. Uh, um, yeah, at the drama camp, you're kind of you're, you're you're sorted into your place. I mean, there's literally tryouts for right. <laughs> everything is kind of a trial, and uh, um, you know you're kind of always being judged. What was your uh, What was your big highlight? Oh, actually, don't tell me. We'll we'll get back to that uh, when we get sure. to the questionnaire. But you did you did say something uh, th- that I definitely a- agree with, and that is there is something about camp that seems to bring out the performer in people. Um, I, I don't know what necessarily that is. I'm curious for your thoughts. Uh, I, I guess some of it is just you just become so comfortable in your own skin that you're more willing to try things. That's probably a part of it. But uh, but I'm curious to hear your your take on why that is. I think it may connect. You know, if we're going to connect back to my what I you know my social media thing and what I do is there's a little bit a you know the good aspects of being an internet personality, internet troll, this internet thing we all do, this persona that we all kind of create is there's lacks, it lacks history. It lacks depth. You could kind of be whoever you want, whenever you want. I mean, you literally can, you know, I mean, we talk about, you mentioned Scaramucci. There was, you know, you could, you could not keep up with the amount of Scaramucci parody accounts that were being created on the, on the days that he was being fired or even the, his 15 days that he was sort of hired. Um, you know, people just can, you can almost become anything. And at summer camp, you can almost become anything. So you, you lose a lot of the risk. There's not as much to lose there, you know? And there's the kind of the sense that this isn't my real life. You know, I can, I can step back from this and then go, you know, have whatever I had before I'm not going to lose. And whatever, you know, whatever I gain here is all, is all kind of little bit of a, you know, I don't know what the summer camp version of gravy. I, I don't associate gravy with summer camp. It's the, uh, <laughs> the ice cream uh, on the cake or the, you know, so it's, it's, it's the topping. It's the, the popsicle on the cake or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there is a, a good, the good aspects of anonymity in the sense that we get to create our own persona and get a chance to be someone who, who we think of ourselves as, and no, but nobody else at home thought of ourselves as maybe. I, I like to think that, uh, that camp informs uh, in some way, like who you grow up to be uh, in some ways. And so, you know, you obviously you went to drama camp, so you, you had an interest in the arts, but do, you know, do you feel like, uh, the LOL GOP, uh, you know, experience uh, and and getting into that. Do you feel like that was informed at all by your by your time at camp? What what definitely informed me is that I'm not a great actor. <laughs> I'm not a uh, not a great uh, camper. You have a face for Twitter. Is that what you're telling me? I have a face for Twitter. I have a uh, voice for Twitter. <laughs> I have an account on Twitter. Um, so yeah, um, I, I think. It, in the sense of it ended up kind of teaching me my limitations. And I also, I think it did give you kind of me a sense that, you know, that, that there's always something new to try. Um, I think is, is, uh, uh, the perception I have. And I've been sticking with this for a while, but I, I think the, the, that was something I kind of lacked as a little kid was the, the willingness to try new things and going off to camp, kind of separating myself from the kind of baggage of, uh, of being whoever I was at home, I think gave me a chance to try things that are that that you know that I wouldn't normally have done. Now you you have siblings that they also go to camp as well. Were they there at any of these places with you? Yeah, I went when I would go to sports camp at Sierra Canyon. My brother was there with me, and then uh, you know my sister would go. Another camp I went to was Camper Ma, my Hebrew school. We would occasionally sure. go to camp for the weekend um, uh, for for a weekend, and my my sister would be there with, with me, and my sister would tend to. My sister, if there's an adult, if there's a person in authority around, my sister will get in a fight with them. Um, so, 
and this has been the same since she was four or five to you know today. So she she just cannot handle authority. So it'll all be a point where she was having some sort of meltdown, and I'd have to come kind of talk her out of it for some reason. You know, I don't think she saw me as any sort of authority. So it, it kind of I was able to rationalize with her. Um, so so we we were in those together. But um, they never actually went to the like the longer sleepaway camps. I think my mom could handle them better than she could handle me. <laughs> You know, it's funny. There is a fine balance between uh, uh, wanting your kids to have uh, this independent uh, experience themselves uh, and grow, and also just, man, it's nice to have a break for once. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't even imagine what a relief it would be to be rid of myself for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my, I have, I have two sons. Uh, the oldest of which is five, so he's a couple years away from from starting the you know the full time camp journey. Um, will he do? Will he go to the same camps you, you went to? He presumably will. Um, okay. I uh, I went to two camps growing up, um, as I've mentioned uh, on the podcast a number of times. Um, and uh, one of them my dad was a camp director of. So, uh, oh nice. My 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 intention is likely to send them there. Uh, my dad's no longer there. It's not the same camp it was when we grew up, and I don't mean that in any uh, way to slight it. I just think things change over time if you were still there the world is so different the now aggressiveness and your in your voice there you're, you're you're mad at this camp there's a <laughs> they, they change regime change happened i'll save that for another podcast okay. um but uh suffice to say um my cousins or my my si- siblings and their kids are going to that camp and so okay. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun for them to go there and spend time with them. We don't live in the region. That was going to be what I was going to say. Uh, I've gone back and forth with people on this a, a lot um, about where to send your kids, whether you should send them to camps near where you are versus uh, you know somewhere that's far off that's maybe putting them in a completely new environment. And I think there's pluses and minuses to both. Uh, going to a camp where you grow up is great because then you get to see – your friends during the year, uh, which maybe isn't as big a deal when you're younger, but definitely when you get to middle school and high school, there's youth group and that kind of stuff. It, it definitely makes a difference. Um, but at the same time, I also really loved the experience I had of going like away from home and, and really having, you know, what we were saying, the ability to sort of create whoever you were and not, uh, be beholden to any kind of reputation you might've formed from, uh, you know, either your parentage uh, for me with my dad being a camp director or just, you know, people knowing you year round. Um, so I live in Atlanta. You know, there is definitely the thought of, oh, we could send our kids somewhere nearby and then they'll get to see their friends all the time. Um, but I think the draw for us of of getting to send them to, to camp with their cousins who they don't necessarily get to see all the time. My sister lives in Boston. My other sister right now at least lives in Mexico City. Um, so... Wow. Uh, so it'll be great for that. So presumably they will go to that camp, um, but you know they still got a couple years. So you know seven or eight is about when they start going yep. away to sleep over. Yeah. Yep. Uh, starting second grade, I think there's like a ten day session, and then uh, going into third grade is is a full month. Um, which... Is this kind of is the age kind of like we're trying to get all the kids out of not wetting their bed anymore? So like we're by seven <laughs> by seven or eight, they've solved that hopefully. Or... I think so. Um, yeah. I think it's some level of independence. Uh, okay. The ability to uh, to dress yourself, um, to you know, to to get from one place to another without sure. uh, having to have somebody you know holding your hand the entire time. Um, although the the youngest kids are still hilarious in their inability to retain information. I mean, every single day, I was a counselor for the youngest kids one summer, and uh, every single day, what are we doing today? And it's like right. we're doing exactly the same thing we did yesterday, which is exactly <laughs> the same thing we did the day before. It's the same every day. I don't know how you can't get this, but you know, cut, cut them some slack. They're eight years old. Uh, <laughs> that's a great way to live. I mean, that's just the excitement way. I'm excited. What am we doing today, boss? You know. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they're kind of yeah. like dogs, I suppose, uh, yeah. in, in that way a little bit. Um, uh, so one last question, then we'll move uh, sure. to our to our questionnaire. But I'm just curious. You you uh, you travel in the internet troll world uh, on Twitter. Uh, are there any camp troll accounts out there? Are there any accounts that uh, we, that that uh, we should look for to follow that uh, that make fun of uh, of summer camping or, or camping in general. I haven't come across them yet. You know, I I I think this kind of speaks to my my obsessive focus on politics. I, I don't follow as as much as I should. And I that, I if you find any, I, I would be interested in that. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to see if there's. Yeah, any... 
quick tri- uh, camp, quick camp memories would be a great account, something like that. I don't know. I have I haven't come across anything yet. Yeah. Sorry. LOL camp. We'll have to we'll right. maybe have to see if that's out there. Do um, it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to the campfires and color wars questionnaire. Title still pending. Um, you, you touched on this very briefly, so uh, so now you can elaborate. Uh, the first question is, tell us about your first camp kiss uh, or your most romantic camp moment. In my head, this is, you know, it's linked to George Michael's I Want Your Sex, which was the big song of the summer. <laughs> For some reason, the, the girl that I you know, happened to be the first girl that I ever kissed was really into that song. Um, and so I, I just... It did. As far as sex, uh, we didn't actually have any sex. I, sex, <laughs> natural sex is fun. Didn't get any. <laughs> we got, had a dry, no tongue kiss. But uh, I remember singing but that the song. song. Was, <laughs> yeah, you, you like the song, right? right. I mean, I, 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 if you asked me to even kind of, I mean, this was pre-internet, pre-cable uh, TV at my house. You know, if you asked me to even tell you what sex was, I wouldn't have been able to describe <laughs> it to you. Um, but. Uh, um, but I just remember singing that song in my head as I walked to her uh, bunk, you know, like at eight o'clock at night when everybody was supposed to be in the bunk and she snuck out and we and we were hanging out underneath the bunk there because it was one of the it was up in the hills. There was you could hang out underneath the bunk and, and uh, had her had her first kiss there. So you snuck out, too? Oh, yeah. 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 We both snuck out. I mean, I think um, like I was supposed to be watching a movie. She was supposed to be doing, you know whatever the girls were doing in camp, which is some, you know, some, some incredibly sexist thing comes to mind that they were probably <laughs> being, you know, I think there was a, like a literally a makeup night or something like that, that the, the girls had to do. But, um, um, so we both snuck off and, 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 but she, I snuck further than her because it was underneath her cabin. Yeah. And I, listen, I, the things you do for love, I love it. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> and things you do for us. If you want their sex. You know. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right, number two. Uh, what was your best camp performance? And you went to a you went to a drama camp, so I'm I'm expecting some some high heights here. Yes, I, I was in the play Poof uh, about magic. <laughs> okay, Poof, it makes the magic happen, um, and uh, it was a uh, uh, almost an extra. <laughs> and, um, but uh, when Marty, who was the guy who was the really talented guy who uh, who actually performed and got paid to perform in things and uh, was in Newsies, had, had actually got a part and he couldn't perform his part. I got to play Otto, which was his big part, and, and, and had uh, one song where I got to sing. And uh, the poor people who paid – people actually would pay to bring their kids to them. I apologize to who, people who saw <laughs> there because you, you got a much better performance when Marty was involved. So that, that would be my best Tonight the role of Marty will be played. <laughs> so he was literally at camp and in the middle of camp left to go be in Newsies? I think it was, this was the, you know, he got paid to do a lot of stuff. He was on, there was a show called, I mean, this should be, you should be interviewing Marty because it'd be much better interview, but uh, he was in Whole High, which no one's going to remember, but was a, um, people make fun of Cop Rock, which was like a musical TV show that happened sure. around the same time there was a whole show called Whole High, which was a musical about high school that, that was before high school, the musical, <laughs> which actually <laughs> became like, a, and this is like 1990, I'm sorry, like 87 or 86. Or, so he, but he. He was in a lot of stuff, and he was in a, uh, some instructional video that he was getting paid for, and did, had several days of shooting on, and, did, and made a lot of money on. So, um, so I got to. So one day he couldn't be there for an actual performance, and uh, and with my big day. Now, did he have an attitude like was he? I'm I'm better than everyone else because I'm, I'm I'm in SAG or. <laughs> I think the fact that you know, as I said, there was three straight guys, uh, and uh, he, he he had a pretty he was a pretty friendly you know he he was pretty self secure and he was friends with Mayim Bialik, so I mean he had really nothing in life to worry about you know he he was a he was a pretty self uh, more, I, I was bigger dick than he was and I had nothing going on <laughs> sure um, all right number three what was your most embarrassing moment at camp my most embarrassing moment at camp there you know. I, I, I would have to say that the third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth no when I when I went my when I went on my uh, uh, at around ten or eleven it basically I was numb uh, oh. but it got pretty bad after a while and uh, and I think word got around that I was doing it so I got pretty quick nose I think the nose became quicker um, so I think that made it easier but the, the oh. fourth or fifth one I think uh, that would probably be the most embarrassing one. Yeah. <laughs> I re- 
honestly, I mean, I so applaud the effort. Uh, it, you know, if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go down, I mean, go down swinging, like you know. And I'm so sure I never saw any like it was like another world. Like these people were like bust in from like uh, you know other people's dreams to be in this camp with me. <laughs> I've never saw any of them ever again. It was it was just like this absurd thing that I was ever um, even in the same world as them. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, number four, uh, top bunk or bottom bunk? Oh, bottom bunk. Yeah, bottom bunk. I I, I did have a fear of something falling on me, but the bottom bunk, it just it, it's the feeling of safety, and I think that uh, um, uh, and uh, top bunk. Are, I mean, and there's a I guess there's a weird sexual kind of thing to this, but no, but there was nothing <laughs> sexual about it. It was just I like caves and tents and and stuff like that, and and, and the idea of being enclosed. I, and also being able to sit on it was was nice as well. <laughs> um, all right, number five. What was the strangest camp tradition that you can remember? Uh, strangest camp tradition. Um, uh, I'm sure. I mean, I guess the longest camp traditions were, you know, with at the Orthodox Jewish camp. I went Camp Gan Israel, which is the name of the Orthodox Jewish day camp I went to. Um, that you know on Sabbath, which is the six thousand, you know, I mean, this is this is not a new tradition. This is a uh, <laughs> six thousand year old, or six thousand, or five thousand, or four thousand year old tradition of, you know, uh, um, you would literally have to wind down on sunset on uh, on uh, uh, and get picked up before, like you couldn't be there um, once the sun went down on on Sabbath on Friday. Um, you had to you had to clear out. <laughs> I mean, the whole camp had to shut down. Everything, everyone had to be gone. And like, if you were the last one to be picked up, you were like the the, the camp. You would get a call from them. They, you know, I think Mashiach would come and and scold you. You know, it was you were not allowed to be there after Sabbath. So I think the the kind of just complete shutdown of the world that would happen on Sabbaths on Fridays. So you weren't at camp during Shabbat. There wasn't uh, a Shabbat programming of any kind. It was get everybody out and then it completely shut down. Yeah, when because because it was this, this was a Monday through Friday thing. So they oh, had gotcha. To, okay. They had to get they had to walk. To, I mean, they, they, this was these are people and probably still most of them. I think. I, I don't know if uh, I, I wonder about the retention in Orthodox Judaism and, and compared to AAA or Weight Watchers or other <laughs> extreme devotional uh, um, uh, groups, but um, uh, the people that, that you know the, the, the people who let there was one time we did do a weekend and we went to like a yeshiva or, or, or Chabad house, Chabad house um, for the weekend and uh, and actually you had to get permission and they had to drive you there so you would be there on Friday night and stay over till Sunday to, to, to the sundown on Sunday and then your parents could come pick you up. They knew we were not as committed as they were in general, but they had to be they were committed like they were if they get stranded somewhere on, on Shabbat, like if you drive them to the beach on Shabbat, they can't get in a car. So you're you basically mess with some Orthodox, Orthodox people if you start driving them all around the uh, LA. So they needed to be where they were going to be for the next uh, you know, I think twenty four hours. I guess you're probably too young to uh, to to think necessarily to do this, but I, I just like the concept that uh, some some jerk camper would just not leave in time on Friday, and then yeah. it's like, well, I gotta stick around now. <laughs> I'm adopted. It's, it basically would be. I, I think they would end up taking you to temple. I I, I was my, ah, my so jokes on you. My, prank, my pranking. My I. I, I it should have. If it, I wish it were more finely developed when I was going to Camp Gan Israel, because that these kind of extreme, you know, hardcore environments really. It's easy to be humorous when you, when basically there's a billion rules to follow and they're like ten thousand years old. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I wasn't creative enough back then. <laughs> um, all right, so we will now move on to our bitches and roses session, aka roses and thorns, aka coals and diamonds, aka strawberries and lemons. Uh, this is just a chance to share one uh, one good thing, one bad thing uh, in your life that uh, you want to get off your chest. Um, and always allow our our guests to go first. So, uh, Jason, I'll, I'll give you first uh, first shot. Uh, tell us uh, your 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 bitch and your rose for today. Okay, my my bitch would. All right, I'll, uh, should I start with the bitch or the rose? Can I start with the rose? You can. Uh, your uh, your choice. Yeah, okay, so my well, my bitch. Oh, well, I'll start with the. Uh, you, you've given me an order. I shall. I shall, I'm, what did I learn at Camp God Israel? That's right. If not, if not that, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, so my bitch is that you know people are calling 
the, the Republicans are moving on to tax uh, reform. When these are just t- call it tax breaks, tax cuts, they're just t- cutting taxes for the rich. And Republicans are calling it reform because they don't want to just admit they're cutting taxes for the rich. Call it don't the media tell the media everybody it's not tax reform, it's not tax relief, it's tax cuts, tax breaks. So that's that's my bitch, and I'm sure everybody's has that same. I'm sure that's <laughs> on everyone's mind. And then my roses, I'm really happy because Joanna Krupa and uh, uh, Brandy Glanville from the Beverly Hills Housewives have settled. Uh, a lawsuit that they had over allegations of feminine odor. Um, that uh, uh, I thought I was it was a 2015 suit that was followed by Grupa against Glanville. And um, I just the idea of someone being uh, attacked because of their odor is is offensive to me. And but I'm also glad just to see that people can settle such a hotly contested item like that. <laughs> I I only vaguely know what you're talking about. Uh, my. Uh, I'm aware of the shows. I know they exist. My wife yeah. watches them uh, religiously, and I just sit and make faces at her most of the time because I cannot believe people watch this stuff. Um, but uh, but then she gets mad at me for uh, for taking all the fun about it, out of it for her. But but good for them. Yes, uh, it's an alternative universe where there's con- no consequences and no reality. It's it's like supposed to be reality TV, but it's like it's the opposite of reality for me, and it's why I can fade away into it a couple, <laughs> couple hours a week. Yeah, no, I I can see the appeal of that for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, my uh my bitch is uh one of my kids' uh beds broke, um, which is just aggravating. Uh, it, it's not that big of a deal. Um, he can still sleep in it, but it's just another thing that I have to take care of, and I have not gotten around to taking care of a lot of things. I mean, my house is still standing. It's not in any danger. <laughs> yeah. I don't think. Of you know of imminent collapse, but they're just you know we've lived in this house for like six years now, and just all these like little bits and pieces that over time are starting to build up, and I'm starting to look around. It's like at some point I I can no longer just let these things like I'm gonna have to either fix them, which is unlikely, uh, or pay someone to do it, which is more likely. But I'm cheap, so I I hate the notion of doing that. Uh, so I was like, damn it, a, now a bed like I. That's one of those things. Like, all right, I can't realistically just put this off for for that for that long time. So, yeah. Uh, congrats, kids! Tonight? We might be getting bunk beds. <laughs> yeah, getting bunk. Yeah, that's good. What is he doing tonight? Is he is he Does he have anywhere to sleep? Uh, well, it's funny. Um, the two of them every night uh, probably make two or three trips between their two bedrooms. That they'll they'll start out in separate rooms uh, and then they'll come together in one room. Uh, he's right now sleeping in a little castle that his grandparents got him. Um, not because his bed is broken. He prefers to sleep in the castle. Nice. Um, but the bed, it's not really, it's really just one of the, uh, sides broke off. So, but it's like, you know, six inches off the ground. So it's not like if he fell, he would hurt himself. It's right. just one of the, one of the barriers is broken. Uh, and, and, you know, it looks bad and, Anyway, so uh, we're gonna have to fix that. Um, so that's definitely my bitch. I commend your wife for letting you do this when the, when when there's a bed, a broken bed. I, have, I tell her I appreciate that. That's very kind. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep waiting for her to be like. I mean, when are you gonna get around to this stuff? I have fixed things in the past. I fixed our washing machine. Nice. I fixed my car's air conditioning. I mean, I can follow YouTube instructions. Like I can fix things, but most of the things I probably did before we had kids, and it right. just it just feels like. Anything that requires effort between work and, and kids uh, and whatnot, it just feels like, oh, do I have to do this? Uh, but I'm going to have to do this very soon. I'm going to have to suck it up and stop being a baby about it. Uh, or, or something really bad is going to happen to the house, and it's going to be like, you know, you thought you were saving 150 bucks, and now you're out, you know, five grand because you didn't pay attention to, you know, what have you sinkhole in your living <laughs> that's room. Right, that's right. Uh, I don't know. We could put a, put a rug over it, maybe the couch. Rush. There's got to be there's Our be gates of hell are coming up and you're like, <laughs> move the couch. <laughs> um, and my rose is uh, I went to Nashville this weekend with some buddies for the Tottenham nice. Manchester City uh, exhibition soccer game, which was very cool. Uh, I've become a much bigger soccer fan as an adult. Uh, ironically, I wasn't really – a big soccer fan growing up outside of just the fact that, you know, in Mississippi, not having much cable, you weren't really uh, aware of much European soccer, but I never saw the world cup uh, until I finished going to camp when I was 22 and I'm a huge sports fan. 
And that's like the single greatest sporting event in the world. So I'm bummed retroactively that I missed so many of them. Uh, but once I got to see it, I got much more into soccer. Uh, and so this was the first time I really got to see two. Uh, and I don't, I don't know, if, I don't know if you're much of a uh, of, of a of a sports fan or a soccer fan. But uh, these are two really of the best uh, teams in the world, and definitely the best uh, or two of the best English teams. Um, so it was really cool to get to see them play, even though it was a preseason game. Uh, you know, most of their best players played. Um, the coolest part of it, though, was we got there early uh, to tailgate, and we were just in this group. My buddies are all big Tottenham fans. I'm more just kind of a, a English Premier League fan in general. Um, and so we were there for about three hours for the game, and the Tottenham fans that were there chanted the entire time. They have all these chants for like the different players and for the coaches and for the opposing teams. Uh, and it's hilarious and it's awesome and it's super creative. And it was just, I mean, they just didn't stop. They kept doing it for three straight hours. And I was, it's funny you talk about, you know, performing at camp. And I remember sitting there thinking about like at camp, I would have totally, if this were camp, I would totally be participating in this right now. Like I would be right. completely in my element. Uh, but because this is not my tradition and I'm not at camp, I am like, what is going on right now? Are um, they Euro- were they actual Europeans? Are they people from you know? Are they British people who are living here, or were these people who like learned by watching TV? I think it was both. Um, I wow. think there were definitely a lot of uh, English people who came over, kind of on uh, on holiday, if you will, um, to to check out the games and and travel around That's- the states. Um, and then there was just a lot of you know Tottenham fans who came from from various cities. It was actually pretty pretty cool. I mean, we came from Atlanta, but there were people there from from Dallas, from Memphis, um, from California, all these supporters clubs, um, and they kind of just all uh, set up shop in the in the parking lot. Um, it was pretty it was pretty amusing. Um, but but again, I'm impressed by the the stamina of the group. So that's, yeah, uh, yeah. So that's my mean- rose. Um, nice. and, uh, and with that, uh, that's our show. Uh, thanks again, Jason Sattler for, for joining us. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and any other podcast listening tools you can find. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter where we are at summer camp pod and on Instagram at campfires and color wars. If you want to send us, uh, your suggestions for guests or, uh, tell us your stories, uh, you can email us as well uh, at summercamppod at gmail.com. And, uh, Jason, if you want to tell uh, people a little bit uh, what, where, if they want to find you uh, digitally and on the uh, interwebs, uh, where where can they find you? LOLGOP on uh, Twitter and Facebook um, and the Sit and Spin Room podcast on, uh, on podcast stuff. So uh, thanks a lot. I really appreciate this. It's fun. Awesome. Uh, and if, uh, if you want to hear more from me, I'm on Twitter at Micah Hart, and I moonlight on Instagram occasionally, making fun of my favorite game, Words with Friends, at Rejected WWF. Uh, and with that, we will see you next time on Campfires and Color Wars. And Jason, uh, Sarah's not here, my co-host, to do this, but uh, my dad has a saying that he always uh, says at camp of, don't waste a minute, so we always end with, uh, with that. So I'll say, don't waste a minute, Jason. And you can say back to me, Don't waste a minute, Micah. Happiness runs in a circular motion. Thought is like a little boat upon the sea. Everybody is a part of everything anyway. You can have everything if you let yourself be.